Oh, it's recording. Oh, it's recording. oh shit. shit. Hey, girl. Hey. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm, I'm all good. I'm great. I I'm think really we should probably sit... Well, I can say I just spoke over you. I apologise. That's no problem. But this is first podcast bumps. That's why. First, yeah, first ever podcast. So I think we should probably say hello to our two listeners as well. <laughs> <laughs> nice to meet hey. you. Nice to hear... Hi. Well, I hope you like hearing us. Wait, people are listening to us? Uh, is that how a podcast works? Or... Who's listening? Who's listening now? Oh, I meant the recorded version last time. <gasps> Oh my god, he's listening! Yeah, hi to our mums who are going to be our only, uh, our only listeners. Well, with situations like that, they definitely will be. Uh, yeah, we're so professional. So, as you guys know, this is our very first podcast. We don't know what we're doing. However, we've tried to be a bit organised and we've split our podcast into some different segments just because we think it's just easier to talk about things and you guys can just skip to whatever you want to hear. So, um, we've got a spill the tea section, we've got a misery business section, we're just going to talk about our favourite album of the week. What else have we got? Uh, then we're going to do like glory day talk about gigs like past yeah. present and future obviously with covid it's going to be a lot of like reliving our favorite yeah. ones at the moment yeah. and then every now and then we're going to ha- end off with a little fan fiction section because that is purely the core of fandom with in the music industry and just we thought it'd be quite funny to just look back and re- reminisce on some of those weird weird stories from our early teenage years I mean, yeah, I mean, who doesn't love a bit of fan fiction? So let's just go straight in. I mean, I want to spill some motherfucking tea. Oh, wait, are we swearing on this podcast? If you want. I just realised, okay, we're going to swear. I don't care. So we are going to spill the fucking tea because the music business is always changing, always developing. And I'm just going to go straight in. So today we had an unfortunate... uh, on Twitter I'm like, I say unfortunate I haven't really listened to the band in ages but the band the pop punk band Paris um, the one with the V instead of an A um, is it their guitarist? Alex? Yes Yeah so their guitarist Alex has just had some sexual um, harassment allegations against him on Twitter um, a lot of these are about um, when he was on Xbox Live on Tumblr this was when all of these younger girls were 16, 17 um, and then he used to um, basically guilt um, they would use, he would use his band status to guilt younger girls into having sex. And all of this you can find on Twitter. Like, you literally just need to search his name and everything will come up. Like, all of the receipts are there. So, um, that's a bit unfortunate. I mean, they were one of my favourite bands. But I think it's interesting that the band has taken a massive stand. They've been like, nah, we're, we're not we're not doing this. Like, they've, um, the statement that the band said today is that they've completely cut ties with Alex. But Alex's statement says otherwise, so it's a bit confusing. But then also, if you look at the band's statement, if you look underneath, quite a lot of people are replying saying, well, there's no hard evidence, there's no hard evidence, why yeah. are you doing this? Which mm-hmm. is very interesting, because obviously, when bands come out and say something like this, there's obviously something strong and hard behind it for them to be yeah. like, no, we have to be done with it. And also, I guess it's kind of hard nowadays, because once something like this comes out, you can't seem to just be letting it roll over or whatever 
you have to either take a stand or else that's your reputation pretty much gone if you just allow that kind of behaviour to continue. Exactly, and it's hard for the band as well because obviously even if it's just a few allegations, that doesn't necessarily obviously take what I'm saying with a pinch of salt, but it doesn't mean that it's true. And, and a lot of people are taking the stand where, you know, until it's been proven otherwise, you can't just do this. But they obviously have something because as a band, and if you look at it from the business side of things, taking out, you know, the, the morals that we all have, mm-hmm. as from a business point of view, they wouldn't just do that. They obviously have something against it. Well, it's like, say, when all of the Don Broco kind of allegations and things yeah. went out, they didn't really say anything. And that's because they were too busy dealing with it from an actual legal side so therefore they couldn't address it so quite a lot of people are like oh if you don't address it it doesn't mean it hasn't happened it's like no if you don't address it it's because something bigger is going on in the background so therefore people aren't just going to throw out statements and normally the ones that do throw out the statements are trying to cover their backs or trying to hide something so it's quite it's kind of swings and just seeing what's happening it's just a shitter because you know one of my favorite bands didn't think they were but it's at the moment it seems like a lot of people are coming out and having things thrown against them like i was saying someone called jamie uh or like that on twitter was saying that he offered classes for bands about sexual assault and violence prevention at walk tour in 2016 17 and 18 they were free about two hours long and hardly like any bands really shown up and he was like you can see why like yeah. even now like I think the other day you had um, Brendan Urie was trending on Twitter and his allegations it seems were actually someone had taken a fan fiction and was using points from a fan fiction saying that they that was what happened to them but then that's people, disgusting but then other allegations came out about his manager which his manager's ones are true there is like hard core evidence his, mani- his manager's dick always has been was he used to collect uh, girls topless photos on uh, Snapchat and made a wallpaper out of them and stuff like that and also made oh, previous member Dallin Weeks uh, girlfriend feel very uncomfortable like Shit. he set his phone background as a photo of her in a bikini top and stuff like that what? it was really bad but I had no idea any that of all came to light again because yeah. someone decided to use a fan fiction to try and get Brendan Urie because two accounts were made they were like burner accounts which just been started that day and we're tweeting these tweets about Brendan Urie, but then when people looked into it, it was literally just a Wattpad fan fiction that someone had written like four years ago. That's insane that someone would even mm-hmm. think, why would you just sit there and, and, you know, hate on someone so much that you would try and destroy someone's life? But then also, not true. But then also you think about it, sometimes it's actually people that just want the attention from that person that they don't understand. It's like, say, when superfans stalk an artist to the point the artist is like, leave me alone it kind of, in a way, it might be them just wanting their attention so badly, they're like, oh, this isn't a bad thing. If this yeah, they'll, person, do any, they'll do anything to get it. If they get that artist to notice them and be like, oh my God, you need to stop, or being like, please, like, get away, even a restraining order, they'll take that as a badge because they're like, yes. look, I've been noticed, they know who yeah. I am. It's yeah. not in a good way, but they think they're amazing and now higher than everyone because said artist knows who they are. That's just it is it's crazy it seems like I was chatting to someone the other day they're like you can't swing a cat nowadays and not hit a sexual predator within the music industry yeah it's true though and I, but you know in a way it's a good thing because people are now being held accountable for what they're doing and I think the music industry has always been one of those industries that's notoriously bad for sexual assault because mm-hmm. you can get away with it it's so easy to get away with it especially at gigs you know just like cheeky touch there and it's just like 
you know. But it's like you see horrible. amazing like charities like uh, Safe Gigs for Women and stuff like that. A lot of these things have started to come to light recently, yeah. which are helping to encourage the movement to kind of stamp this out. Yeah, and I, th- I think it's a good thing that obviously it's not a good thing. I feel awful for the the victim, and my love goes out to them. But oh yeah, of course. it's a good thing that they're now being held accountable. You know. Yeah, the thing is, people are now brave enough to speak out, and that's the best exactly. thing to come from it. Exactly, and no, I agree. Mm. So maybe onto a more lighter note, let's uh, carry on with our tea spilling. First so, episode, make uh, it Of course, I mean, we would have it no other way, else, let's be real. Um, so I just wanted to quickly, really quickly dabble on the fact that, um, you know, BTS, like biggest fucking boy band in the world right now. Yeah. Um, South Korea's Big Hit Entertainment, their label that they're on, they just did a biannual turnover of 249 million US dollars. That's mad. And that's mainly from just their sales and revenue alone, like just BTS. Well, if you think, like, a couple of years ago, K-pop was not a thing. All we knew of K-pop was Gangnam Style. That was yeah. it. Yeah. And so it's kind of like, if, to see the actual explosion that has happened since then is crazy. It's like, your Blackpinks, your BTS, your EXO, all of that. Yeah. It's just, they're everywhere now. They really are. Like, they're, they're taking over. <laughs> This is the thing. He's like they were meant to be it. doing. Were they doing Wembley, or they were doing one of the big, big stadiums in London this year? They were meant to be. What and BTS? They, yeah, and they were. I think they were doing Wembley. Yeah, and they were expected to sell out like three nights. That's oh, wow. Yeah, it's just it's yeah. I mean, I think K-pop came out of nowhere. I remember, like, in 2017, in my first year of university, we it was, like, the one thing we were all talking about because it literally, that summer, it was just, like, our charts in the UK were just dominated by mm-hmm. K-pop. It's just mad. But I still think, you know, I think it's amazing that they're still making such a good profit. But I suppose that, you know, that side of the business is the other side of the world, so maybe the UK doesn't see it as... That's what I'm going to say, because we don't really get as much focus on it as like I guess other markets do no, because when do. you look at our news and stuff you barely see anything about it on there but when you actually look on music based actual news sites it's yeah. huge I know like you you don't really see it in the charts I mean I suppose the only I mean I'm gonna go and talk about this in a minute but TikTok mm-hmm. one of the main things that I've noticed when I'm scrolling through my for you page a lot of like the the edits and things like that they're using um how you like that the blank the blackpink song yeah and I think that is a is a massive thing because if that's on my for you page and I like musical theater and Star Wars if I'm getting yeah. that algorithm that's that's pretty big I mean considering TikTok songs are taking over the planet right now yeah in terms of charts especially and um, it's like uh, jason derulo pretty much every song he writes now is for tiktok and those songs are charting if you think his last two songs yeah but they're getting the trends (laughs) they're getting like a dance made to him or a challenge made to him and they're being you okay so then going on to tiktok then Mm. Um, TikTok has been in the news recently for many, many reasons. I mean, one, the ban in India. Mm -hmm. Obviously, well, potentially, I mean, I don't think they've actually been banned in India now. Um, The US ban, which Mm -hmm. I don't think a lot of people actually understand because as much, I'm not defending Donald Trump here, but the only thing that they're banning about the US side of TikTok is making money from advertisements. So users can still use it in the US. But I suppose, you know, they can't actually make any money, which is an issue. Um, but also, TikTok are now a music publisher. They're, they've become a music distributor, and I think it's really weird. See, I think the first thing that I think is weird is people becoming influencers from TikTok. Mm. 
like seeing people get uh, like recording contracts and things like that from TikTok, yeah. I find so weird because it's like before you'd have to grind, 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 and it's like mm-hmm. yes, you still do. T- I'm not saying TikTok is easy, no way possible, yeah, yeah, yeah. but it's so different nowadays finding your feet within an industry yeah well and you know if you make a song that then becomes a challenge a dance or like a you know those like makeup challenges Doja Cat Say So if you look at Doja Cat Say So that right literally she released her that album came out in 2019 Mm -hmm. didn't really get a a lot to be honest one of the first viral TikTok songs was Say So look at where she is now obviously she's an incredibly talented artist and she could have done it without TikTok don't get me wrong but it definitely pushed her to Mm -hmm. a point way faster than I think she would have got without it yeah well 100% if you look she's um, up for like a VMA for hottest new artists and things like that oh she's such a legend I actually love her yeah Um, and then one last thing I want to talk about Spotify really quickly because they are potentially going into live streaming and I think it's weird that they haven't before. I mean, it seems like a natural move for Spotify because they have podcasts already. Mm. And that was a big move for them already. I mean, they've got, um, they just recently got Michelle Obama's podcast on, um, which is amazing. If you haven't listened to it, definitely give it a listen. Um, but I think I'm surprised that they didn't do live streaming before. Do you think it will work? I mean, I'm in, I'm in two minds about it. It can either work really well or it's going to flop. I think also now, obviously, with the change with everything going on with Corona and that, everyone's having to look at what they're doing very differently and yeah. trying to make music more accessible because it is such a big market. Having all the events and that cancelled, we need to look at other streams of revenue. But already the money side of Spotify can be notoriously a bit hard for artists. Yeah. So I guess when it comes to that, it's kind of what kind of deals are they going to create for the live streaming side? Definitely. I mean, I think it's going to be interesting because if you're live streaming, I don't know, live music, for example, who's covering that? Because, you know, the whole streaming thing, you know, if an artist had you... Sorry, let me say that again. The copyright in a stream, is it a broadcast or is it a mechanical right? There's that whole debate. And I think if you then bring live streaming into it, is the artist going to get paid for that? Is the label going to get paid for that? Or, like, how is that even going to work? I mean, I'm sure they'll figure it out, but you know i think it could be an interesting time business wise well if you see a lot of the instagram live live streams and things like that it's kind of hard because the artists don't really make money from that because they're doing no. it off their own personal accounts and things it is their art so therefore there's not really anything for them to get money from yeah no i agree with you it's mad again hello 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 so after the deep and inner workings of our minds when it comes to (laughs) the music industry we're now going to go on and talk about our glory day section so this is kind of a set about concerts that we've been to festivals and all things like that and kind of just talking about the actual joy that we got from them because during coronavirus i think we can all agree we're missing festival season we're missing our gigs and things like that so we thought it'd be nice to kind of have these conversations about the shows and as time goes on if people want to kind of contact us and let us know about the story they've had as well we'd love to like hear about it because i think we can both agree there's nothing we enjoy more than hearing people's stories about amazing concerts they've oh, seen definitely. we love it we want to hear it yeah so we thought with this one we would share the story about the first concert that we 
met at mm-hmm. so our actual friendship started yeah. from a gig and it since then indeed. i think we've gone to see this band a stupid amount of time <laughs> yeah i it's nearing 10 times in the space of four years together i, it, I actually think it's more than that well it's a lot it's yeah. a hell of a lot <laughs> And even when we're not together, we'll FaceTime with the other or send content from the gigs. Yes, it's true. So, we met at All Time Low at the O2. Trash. Trash. <laughs> a, a long time ago now. It was. But we were even more trash because we met because we both had paid meet and greet. Oh, <laughs> no. How could you help me like that? Yeah, but it's like it's a very touchy subject in the first place mm. because there was free meet and greets and there was paid ones and the paid ones were a bit. <clears throat> but yeah, but we we moved. We moved. We moved. Didn't you? Yeah. So I don't, if you've ever been to a gig at the O2 before, you know what it's like when you're in the blooming steel pens right round the right hand side of the building. And it's you cold. Feel like it's cold. You feel like you're a cattle just waiting <laughs> in line. Um, but so. We have shows which have meet and greet. You have the big old cow herd queue, and then you have two smaller ones for the different types of meet and greet. So with All Time Live, you have some meet and greets that happen before the show and some happen after the show. Mm-hmm. So before the shows get to go in first, but then the after the show meet and greets get to go in second, but they get to go into the actual venue before the people who are actually in the meet and greet. So it's kind of a weird situation where it's like you've got meet and greet before the show, so therefore it feels like you should be with one of the first 50 people in the venue, but the people who had the after the show meet and greet actually got in there before you. Yeah, it was a weird layout this for that tour. Yeah, so we were in the queue, and I it must have been like three, four hours into the queuing. Yeah, because I was really late. <laughs> yeah, we didn't talk until actually... The first lot of meet and greet had gone in yeah. and we were in the queue waiting to go in and I heard Chelsea mention something and I turned around and I was like, oh, you're talking about this? And she was like, yeah, you are talk- I am talking about this. And we kind oh, of just I just like, realised we can't actually mention what we were talking about. No, we can't mention <laughs> what we were talking about. We were, we're having like, a conversation yeah. and so we kind of started chatting from that point yeah. and then I remember this distinctly. The security guard opened the door and he said to everyone, he was like, no running and all go single file behind me. Everyone else did, but I somehow sped walk for my life and got past that security guard. And I was in that venue and I was sprinting across that room. Everyone else was like queuing behind this guy and I was gone. Yeah. I'd somehow sped walk all the way past him and went. Yeah. But I think we were near each other in the actual crowd. Yeah, we were. But we, both, was, it, we both had barrier in the same bit of, of yeah. the stage that came out, but we weren't near enough to each other to really get recognised each other. Yeah. But this is kind of similar because it turns out that I'd seen Chelsea before, but not realised it was Chelsea, because Chelsea got on stage at Reading Festival and I was there front row. Mm-hmm. So it's like I'd already seen her at a concert, but not realised I'd seen her until years later when she showed it to me. And I was like, oh my God, I remember That's you. That's because so Chelsea is known for wearing Tiger ears to all time most shows. So yeah. it's kind of weird how this full circle kind of moment happened. But yeah. that tour was so good because I remember how the show started was there's four diamonds and 
they would flash up videos of their logos and there was like rainbow lights going and all of a sudden all the diamonds would get into a line and then they would rise from the floor. And I just remember the excitement the first time I saw that. It was crazy because obviously you're not used to big production when it comes to All Time Low. I think it was their first arena tour. It was their first and only arena tour. I mean, <laughs> we won't talk about the O2 titles, yeah. <laughs> but it was crazy. The actual production they'd put into it, it felt like they'd sold out Blooming Wembley. Like what they did was crazy. And it was yeah. just every time I saw it, because I think I saw that show twice and you saw it three times? Four times. Four times. But I think you can agree, it was kind of that moment at the start where everything kind of just went and then it went pitch black. Oh my God, it was absolutely, I've seen nothing like it. And to be fair, that was one of the first tours I saw All Time I I Do. I mean, I was quite a late fan, if I'm honest. I Mm. only started to like them during the Future Hearts era. I was very late to the game. But seeing that, you just really brought that back then, like with the diamonds and the lights. I mean, the lighting has always been absolutely phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Like, always has been. I mean, their lighting designer, Jeff, he he's he knows what he's doing. Like, yeah. he really does. And I think for that tour especially as well, the production on it was just, it was just brilliant. It was but absolutely brilliant. It's like the whole time you had those diamonds and then two of the diamonds would be like, on them or the crowd or something. Yeah. And then the other yeah. two diamonds would be like, ambient film added in. And I remember oh, when we were waiting, at the O2, there was signs on the wall saying, oh, if you're six, uh, 14 to 16, would you like to be in the Kids in the Dark music video? Yeah, yeah, I yeah. remember that was on the walls when we were there as well. And I think it, as well, even though it was a big arena, they still did fan interaction very well. That, that's See, the thing is, like, not to get into a whole discussion about All Time Low, but they, they're, they're so good at fan interaction. Like, we knock them, but they're brilliant. Like, but I will say, the O2 interaction was very different to the other arena interactions because I think the O2 was so much bigger, it was harder. Where yeah. like, when I saw my Cardiff arena, there were a lot more running around barrier and stuff like that. Yeah, it's because it's smaller. It, yeah. The O2 is massive. I mean, it's, it's a huge venue. It's yeah. Hard to fi- it's hard to fill. Yeah, but I think I that think is the thing. Well. Yeah, well, that's the reason we wanted to talk about this one because it's a fun one to start with. It's the reason we met. It's the yeah. reason we're kind of doing this. But also as well to talk about an event that happened at something that size and still feel quite personal and just fun. Yeah. That was the main part of it. It was fun. It was so exciting. And that's why we wanted to kind of talk about it because that's what we want people to get from this segment. We want people to feel the fun and the enjoyment we had at these shows. Yeah, because they, I mean, they were just so good. Yeah, because I mean, but it's also the difference, like seeing them in the arena to then go back down to Brixton. Yeah, like the levels between them, it was like they were two different size shows, but how they interacted and how they performed was like they were still at these massive headline shows. Yeah, and it's it's amazing when you see them filling up an arena and you and you see them actually with all the production and the stage size, and you think like they were made for this, like Mm -hmm. they really were, and they did it so well. Yeah. Yeah solid 10 out of 10 for my boys yeah well i think so and i think this is with this glory day segment we're going to talk about like shows like this and sometimes it'll be shows we saw apart sometimes it'll be shows we've seen together it's kind of like whoever's kind of got good stories and good ideas that they want to share that's what we're about and if anyone ever wants to submit one we would happily love to talk about your stories as well and why you why you enjoyed like concerts because 
I wanted to work in the music industry because of the joy I got going to concerts and seeing people get involved with it. Like, I don't know about you, but like now I've worked at a, an agency and stuff, I really want to get into concerts because it's exciting seeing an idea come to life and seeing actual people interact with it. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm exactly the same. I mean, the, the one that got me into wanting to be in the music business was actually Reading in um, 2016. It was my second Reading Festival. Mm-hmm. And it just, I just became absolutely in love with just gigs and music and all of it. And I was like, I want to be behind this myself. So it comes from the same place, really, doesn't it? It's just... Yeah. And I think that's what the Glory Days is about. It's just talking about yeah. what excited our passions and also reminding yeah. ourselves why we are passionate about what we do. Welcome to Misery Business. This is going to be a really quick section, just to, similar to the Spill the Tea section, but I just want it to be a really short little snapshot of what's going on in the music business right now. And of course, if you don't know, their name comes from our Lord and Saviour, Ms. Hayley Williams. I really just want to do the guitar bit, but I'll just embarrass myself. Oh, please do it. You can't (laughs) say that and then not do it. (laughs) But yeah, so, um, huh? I was going to say, you're the pro. Oh, let's, let's... Come on now. Um, Anyway, so I wanted this part to be um, just a little snapshot of the music industry right now. So I'm just going to, every week I'm going to do this. I'm just going to go ahead and list off some things that are happening right now. So um, literally today, uh, Napster, I don't know if you guys uh, remember this old, uh, like the OG streaming site, um, recently sold to another company for 70 million US dollars. I mean, I feel like, is that a lot to you? Yes. I see that's not a lot to me. I would have thought that the OG peer-to-peer sharing thing that cre- that made everything for like Spotify possible would would have gone for more, no? Yeah, but then also you got to remember it's been eclipsed by Spotify and things like that now. So. Yeah, true, true. Um, another thing, uh, the UK government just gave um, a shit ton of money to uh, 135 uh, grassroots venues and they're all grants so they don't have to pay the money back which I think is great to be honest because we love COVID, we love that um, also wanted to talk about um, obviously it's drastically affecting the music industry so um, we've seen in Germany um, they're having concert trials I mean I think this is very interesting so what they did was basically they've got a bunch of healthy people they're like between the ages of 18 and 30 typical concert go age i suppose um all healthy all tested for covid before going in and obviously test going back uh, negative um they were given masks fluorescent hand sanitizer and there was like fog in the venue to see where they moved and then the fluorescent hand sanitizer was used to see what were the points in the venue that they touched the most and people had to stay a metre and a half away and obviously all the results won't be coming in until the end of October I think they said I just think it's so interesting that they I mean that they're even trying I mean obviously you know they've got to the music industry can't especially concerts and live music can't just stop I suppose but at the same time like it's not going to be anything like what we're used to it's not going to be anything that we're going to want I mean, imagine if we were at a gig. I mean, a lot of the gigs that we go to music-wise are like rock or like heavy slash like pop punk. There's mosh pits. There's quite aggressive crowds. How on earth can you socially distance in a mosh pit? Well, the thing is, it's like, you know, in China, they have the little walkways you walk through and it sprays you with hand sanitizer or whatever. Not hand sanitizer, but you know, sanitizer. 
yeah. they're putting fog machines on could they not put that into fog machines so yeah but just because you're sanitizing your all of your no. skin that doesn't mean that you can't i, I get what you're saying but, but yeah, like... i think well i was talking to someone before like ariana grande afterwards we had clear backpacks we think now you're probably gonna get your temperatures up at the door and if your temperature's a little bit up or a little bit down they won't let you in yeah which is fair enough i don't I don't want to live in a world where we have to stand one metre apart, but I'd rather live in a world with that than not having live music ever again. Uh, see, I disagree. I think if we carry on pushing it, we're not going to get live music ever again. If we keep trying to make different approaches to it, it's not going to work. Be- well, because Glasgow's already said they're not happening until 2022. I mean, this is the thing, you know, the V Festival thing the other week? Mm. That pissed me off. Because there's no no way that they made any money from that. There's no way they made a profit from that. And that's what annoys me, because big companies like Virgin and V Festival, they can they can afford to lose money to make themselves look like the good guys. Yep. And I stand by what I'm saying, because that's what Virgin are like as a company. And I'm not being funny, but like... How is it how is it possible for a music consumer like us to get value from a festival if you're in your own little pens and you're paying the same price if you're like a mile away at the back compared to where you are at the front? Because their pricing strategy was that everyone paid the same. How on earth does that make sense? But it's also you're gonna have the argument of say when you see certain bands you get golden circle, are yeah. they gonna start charging extortionate prices for those at the front? And then oh. it will be harder for those at the back because, say, people have lost their jobs during coronavirus. Yep. They won't be able to afford these amazing seats. So exactly. how is that fair to those who can't afford it anymore? And I think something that the music industry always seems to forget is that music isn't a need. It's a want mm-hmm. and it's a luxury to most people. Obviously not to us because we're the ones who want to work in it and it's our job. But we're still music fans. We still love the, the music side of things. And I think it's really interesting to see that what you know live venues and events and and agencies are trying to do and i get it don't get me wrong i think it's great that we're trying things but i don't think in the long run it's going to do any good i think it's going to be a lot of just playing it by ear at the moment and hopefully soon we'll see some changes and then maybe one day we will get our mosh pits back again i hope so album of the week so this segment is pretty self-explanatory i mean i feel like i don't really need to introduce it so i'm just going to go ahead and talk about my album of the week so if you guys don't know there is an amazing artist called glass animals and they have recently released a new album called dreamland um i've only just got into glass animals recently actually the only reason why i knew who they were is because Hayley Williams, um, her new album, Petals for Armour, there's a single on there called Dead Horse, and they did a really good remix of the song. And I thought, oh, I've never really heard of these. Like, so well, I'll have a little listen. So they just released an album and oh my God, Dreamland is absolutely phenomenal. It's definitely a concept album because there's some little interludes in between, but oh, it's incredible. I mean, it depends what you're into. I suppose everyone's into different things, but it's got a really good like, present vibe it's really like it's kind of like got that 80s synth sound that seems to be really coming back you know like with Dua Lipa's new album like that kind of nostalgic sound but it's still present and I mean oh the songwriting is brilliant like the lyrics are great but it's just a proper it's a dance album like it's if you want 
some really good beats i mean it's great for driving as well i recently drove um to my friend's house in the west country which is quite far away from where i am and i listened to this album on repeat the entire time and it's just brilliant i mean i think my favorite song is probably tangerine and i think i'm pretty sure that was one of their singles but another one that's really good is space ghost coast to coast which is a bit of a mouthful but it's a great song and waterfalls coming out of your mouth so good and domestic bliss i mean all of it is great but those three songs the ones i definitely recommend it's such a great album and um yeah i don't even know what else to say like just give it a listen and thank me later i mean have you ever listened to them uh, i think a couple of years ago like when i was in america they were in the charts so i kind yeah. of know who they are but i've never had a full listen but from your description i think i definitely will honestly i'm trying to like put it into words how good the album is because it is mm. bloody phenomenal but you know it's always hard to you know when you get passionate about something and it's hard to explain but honestly give it a listen if not those three songs that i said because yeah. they're really that's it To wrap up the podcast, this week we're going to introduce you to our fan fiction section. So this section is kind of going to be like a look back at all those stories you read when you were about 15, 16, whatever. All those... (coughs) 21. (laughs) (laughs) But all those strange stories which people started to write in their bedrooms. So if you're not familiar with fan fiction, fan fiction is stories little ideas um, come up about an artist and most likely someone called your name which means you can literally just put your name in that situation and imagine that situation to do with you so there's a lot of weird fan fictions out there mm-hmm. there's a lot of tame fan fictions out there and there's a lot of fan fictions which will make you think what the fuck is going on in your mind mm-hmm. so this section can kind of be a short paragraph from a fan fiction. I'm going to rip it apart a little bit and just see what's it about. Another thing that you guys might not know if you're not familiar with fan fiction, the film After on Netflix, if you couldn't tell from the film, is based off of a very, very popular Harry Styles fan fiction from back in like 2012 or whenever it was. So it really has shaped everyone's lives without realising. Fifty Shades of Grey, Twilight fan fiction. Exactly. So we're gonna just gonna shine some light on these stories because quite a lot of the times these people are very creative and can be somewhat good writers. So we're just gonna give a little teaser as to a fan fiction and let you lot hear about kind of the things that we used to read and also have a little laugh at our past selves. one i picked one of the most popular most infamous fan fictions that exist so this is called my immortal it is about my chemical romance (laughs) and it is a harry potter inspired (laughs) fan fiction (laughs) the story centers around a girl called ebony and her life at hogwarts as a my chemical romance fan so We begin with, Hi, my name is Ebony Darkness Dementia Raven Way and I have long black ebony hair 
that's how I got my name. With purple streaks and red tips that reached the mid of my back and icy blue eyes like impid tears. A lot of people tell me I look like Amy Lee. Author's note, if you don't know who she is, get the hell out of here. <laughs> I'm not related to Gerard Way, but I wish I was because he's a major fucking hottie. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> I'm a vampire, but my teeth are straight and white. I have pale skin. I'm also a witch, and I go to a magic school <laughs> called Hogwarts in England. Well, I'm in my seventh year. I'm 17. I'm a goth, in case you couldn't tell. And I wear mostly black. I love Hot Topic, and I buy all my clothes from there. For example, today I was wearing a black corset with matching lace around and a black leather miniskirt, pink fishnets, and black combat boots. I was wearing black lipstick, white foundation, black eyeliner, and red eyeshadow. Just like the I'm not okay music video. I was, wa- I was walking outside Hogwarts. It was snowing and raining. There was no sun, which I was very happy about. <laughs> a lot of preps stared at me. I put my middle finger up at them. Hi, Ebony, shouted a voice. I looked up. It was Draco Malfoy. <laughs> What's up, Draco? I asked. Nothing, he said shyly. But then I heard my friends called me and I had to go away. <laughs> oh, jeez. So that's just kind of a teaser. So A-star writing right there, yeah, guys. This was an infamous fan fiction. Like, no one could tell if it was a joke or if it was real. But fan fiction has been taken down so many times that it now has its own wiki. It has an actual Wikipedia page and its own fandom wiki. This is how infamous it is. And... This is kind of the example of writing where it's kind of someone has just thrown it out with no consideration and just put their world into writing. It's just out there for everyone to read. (laughs) Yeah. But it's the fact as well, it's a lot of, I am a vampire. My teeth are straight. My (laughs) hair is black. It's a lot of not sentences, more like, this is a point, this is a point, this is a point, this is a point. But that's what makes this story so good. Yeah. Because there's so many spelling mistakes. There's so many words, like preps. That's like a preppy person. That's like a popular person to us English people. Mm -hmm. And so it's kind of, that is what makes this fan fiction so deep and just rich for us to read and talk about for our first episode. Because it's just so strange. that if you iconic. If you need an introduction to fan fiction, my mortal is a place to start. Like in university, someone was doing a essay about fan fiction and they asked me what fan fictions are iconic. And this was one of the ones I went straight away. I was like, even go read the first five chapters and you will see exactly why this took the internet by storm. And to this day, if you mention this to a previous emo girl, she will know what you're on about. And not only that, she will laugh. Yeah, like the the when someone asked me if someone was to ask me, I don't know what actually has, what would be my most the most iconic fan fiction? Mm-hmm. My brain immediately goes to the milk fic. Now, <laughs> although we've only known you a week, listeners, we will not be bringing the milk fic into your life no, I because won't do that to you. it is so just seedy fucking disgusting is the word that she's looking for (laughs) so we won't bring that to your life if you want to know what that is you can google that for yourselves don't do it but we will not bring that kind of information into your life 
Yeah, just don't do it. In fan fiction, you have smut, which is very sexual, or you have mm-hmm. fluff, which is just cute, which and... is boring. Yes, no one reads the fluff. So, but my immortal came up the term which was used a lot over the internet which was lemons if yeah. something was sexual or if it was swearing and stuff like that it was called lemons for some reason and that was kind of the reason for it so yeah. this is another reason why we went for this one because it is the root of a lot of original fan fictions comes for this yeah. idea and so every week we're just going to pick up a fan fiction like this and kind of just have a conversation about a small chapter and just see what's this writing about is yeah. it any good? What What do you rate it? What do you rate it out of 10, this one? For Iconicness, a 10. Mm-hmm. Actual content, mm-hmm. about a 3. <laughs> Savage. No, her descriptions are good. I know she's yeah. a vampire. I know what she's yeah. wearing. I can picture that in my head. Got a picture of the hair and the, Pic- and the icy blue eyes. Yeah, but I think the speech is a bit hit or miss. Uh-huh. Um, and I think also... There's a lot of information. It's like, I don't know where in Hogwarts. Where in Hogwarts is she? Is she in the Grand Hall? Is she on some stairs? Is she in the Black Lake? We don't know. So it's kind of a lot of information, but not telling me anything. Yeah. But then again, later in the series, find out that Albus Dumbledore and Albus Dumbledore is a stripper and Snape wants to sleep with her. Oh, Jesus Christ. (laughs) We did it. We've made it through the first one. We had our first episode. We hope you guys enjoyed it. I mean, let us know if you want to have more of one section, if you want us to do something else. Just give us some feedback. But we've absolutely loved it. I've had a great time. I've had a great time as well. And I think it's been nice just to have a conversation about all different things, music. And also, just it's been exciting. Definitely. I love it. So if you want to submit anything to us, I am at... K-A-R-I-C-L-O-U-G-H on Twitter. And then send it to my Instagram, which is at C-H-E-L-S-E-Y-P-A-T-C-H-1-2. And uh, thank you guys for tuning in. Thank you so much for listening and we will see you next time. Bye. Bye.